This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host, Lorez, and today we are discussing the 2019 Andy Muschietti film, It Chapter 2. Man, I hear you. I mean, my heart is literally like pounding right out of my chest. I thought it was only me. It was like pure fear. I have a special guest. There's no Hans. Hans could not be bothered to see this movie. I don't think it has come out in Costa Rica just yet. Did you know that he has to wait like an extra 30 days to go to the movies? That's funny. He should. I said to him, we're going to do this Quentin Tarantino retrospective, which got completely derailed with Jack. I was like, okay, well, you're going to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Comes out next month. Like, yeah, The momentum's already gone. What's the point of having him as a co-host if he can't go see the movie? So... Uh, but we have Brandy on the show today to talk about this film. And you have Movie Pass, so you can see anything, like the have, Goldfinch. I don't have Movie Pass. I'm not trash. I have Regal Unlimited. Oh, <laughs> Regal. Regal Limited Movie Pass. Yeah, I have the highest level of Unlimited, which is honestly too much. And you used it to go see the Goldfinch this weekend. I didn't get... Anything emailed to me that you were going to bring that up, and I feel like it's disrespectful <laughs> that you would put that out. You were posting about There's it. There's nothing else out. Okay. Well, here's what I want to know before we even talk about it. Why did you walk out of that movie? They, ha- I mean, it was boring the whole way in the beginning. God, I hope this whole episode gets derailed into the Goldfinch. The beginning of it was boring, um, and then they had the Stranger Kids, the Stranger Things kid come on. And he started doing Which a, one? the one, I don't know the names, the one with the long hair, the main one. The long hair. The, the one boy. who's in it? Yeah. Yeah. Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The one that's in the movie that I'm supposed to talk about. He was doing a Russian accent and it was really embarrassing. So I left. That's almost as terrible as some of the de-aging in ADR in this movie. I don't know if you caught that. Did you? No, on who? They de-aged at least three of the young actors. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that because they seemed young. They're like 16 now, right? That kid, he looks like he's... Actually, he is in like a punk rock band, and now he's about six feet tall, very skinny. His face has completely changed, so he looks about 18 now. And then in all the archival footage with him as Richie, you know, he he looks like, uh, like a little baby bird or something. Yeah, he was in like an awkward phase. Now, you said that you had seen the first It installment. What did you make of that one? Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, I think I don't really like horror movies. And so like the it doesn't have any like scary value to me. But I guess um, people were scared of it, seemed like in the theater. So I guess that's good. But I thought it was okay. And what did you think of that compared to the 1990 version? It's weird because I really love that version, and I don't. I think that maybe that's a wrong opinion again. Or yeah. I, I no, I don't think that's a wrong opinion. I think there's there's a lot of nostalgia around that original one, and it obviously doesn't age well because it's 30 years old, and they had terrible special effects to work with on a TV budget, especially where there's a scene in particular where Pennywise is coming up from the shower or something and he's made of clay and it's very obvious that they just did that on like a bulletin board or whatever. I don't think there's anything, if you can look at the movie with those goggles on, I don't think there's 
a whole lot wrong with it. It's got TV movie acting. That spider at the end, everybody just talked about how it's terrible. That's fine. I, you know, I, when I watched it 2017, I have to say, uh, before that movie came out, I was very let down about the fact that Carrie Fukunaga, who had written and directed season one of True Detective, which I think you said for the record is a piece of shit that's unwatchable television, quote unquote, correct? Yeah, it has Matthew McConaughey, right? So you weren't a fan of that, but everybody else in the world was. And he's a very good director. He did one of the better films to have come out directly through Netflix. Their first movie, I believe, Beast of No Nation with Idris Elba. That was a great film. And he was attached to direct the movie. He wrote a script. And it was supposed to be Will Poulter from We're the Millers. And I think what he's probably most known for now is... He was in Midsummer as the uh, the kid who looks like Sid from Toy Story. Oh, yeah. He so was he was going to be the original Pennywise. Oh, that's interesting. His face is scary. He's got creepy, like, beady eyes. Yeah. He looks like he probably abused animals as a kid or something. Yeah, I would guess that. Wasn't he in Black Mirror? Yeah, he was in Bandersnatch. Oh, right. That's why, that's why so, I couldn't remember. I was on drugs. Will Poulter was cast as Pennywise. Before that, they wanted Ben Mendelsohn, which is maybe not an immediately recognizable name, but he's been in tons of movies. Have you ever seen The Place Beyond the Pines? Mm-mm. Did you see Rogue One? Yes. Okay, he's the bad guy in Rogue One. Oh, okay. So that's who they courted originally. He's kind of a creepy, reformed, heroin addict, uh, Australian actor. He's very good. Mm-hmm. They They couldn't seal the deal on any of that. Carrie Fukunaga hands in a script. They go, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. Cool. Let's rewrite it. He rewrites the script so that uh, Stan is no longer in the movie. So it's a group of six kids. And Stan is pretty useless overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Richie becomes the Jewish character. He's named Richie Goldfarb. And he is implied gay or bisexual in that script. And there's a, a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of dark adult elements. There's a lot of molestation type stuff. In the and first he hands script? that into Warner Brothers in this in the rewrite of that first script that Carrie Fukunaga did. Yes. Hmm. So he hands in that draft. They go, yeah, no, we're not going to be able to do that. So rewrite it again. And there's a lot of like really eerie, creepy elements in the first three drafts of that script that he does before he decides to part ways with the project. And they decide to hand it over to Andy Muschietti, who did this movie, Mama, that came out in 2015 or so with Jessica Chastain. Did you ever see that? It sounds familiar. What is it? So that was based on a a short film. Then Guillermo del Toro saw that and was like, oh, cool. A, A weird walking person who's skinny, which you see a lot of in these It movies now. He decided to... Uh, bring Andy Muschietti's short film to whatever company wound up financing and producing the feature film version of that. And it was like, I, I, I can't recall too much of the plot, but it was essentially like, oh, there's a there's a ghost of a mother who drowned her kids or something, and she's haunting this land and looking for children. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was fairly forgettable, if I had to say. So if I had to give an opinion on it, but the ending was pretty good. And I guess based off of that, they decided to give him it. But they didn't let him keep any of the creepiest parts of it, I guess. 
I mean, the well, book what happened is was they got this guy super creepy. Yeah, honestly, now that we've seen like both chapters of this movie, I feel like the book is almost completely separate from what has come out over the past two years. The Carrie Fukunaga script that they originally wanted to uh, greenlight was not that similar to the book. It was probably about as different as uh, these two movies have become uh, to that. So they bring in this guy, Gary Dauberman, who is not a good writer. He did the Old Boy remake. He did I Am Legend with Will Smith. He's done all of these Hollywood blockbusters. He's just kind of a name you bring in to, to, I guess, be efficient and have a finished draft. So he adds all these elements to the uh, the new script, and that's the one the one that they wound up going with for it, Chapter One, more or less. Mm-hmm. And I think that for that first movie, anyway, and I'm curious to get your opinion on this as well. I thought they mostly nailed it. Yeah, I mean, like, as much as they could from the book. Like, the book is perfect to me, but they can't, Mm -hmm. I mean, they can't include all the stuff that's in the book. It's just too much, right? So, I guess pretty close to, like, what they could do on a movie that people wouldn't be appalled at. The structure of having the two separate parts, just like the TV movie, was probably a good idea just for time. Although now that I have seen It Chapter 2, it has revised my thoughts a bit about that first installment and just how they handled the property in general. I don't know if that's the case with you. Did, seeing this movie, I know you said that before the show you didn't really have strong feelings about this film. Did that affect your opinion of the first movie at all? Or can you look at It Chapter 1 and go, okay, this is fine, this is separate enough. I and mean, yeah, that's how uh, that's how I see it. But now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of bad, right? They shouldn't. I mean, I look way? at the second one as like a throwaway. Like, well, they had to kind of finish it. They couldn't just leave it because people wanted to know. Because at the end of the first one, didn't they allude to the fact that there would be a second one? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, there was supposed to be an after the credit sequence with Jessica Chastain picking up the phone, but they couldn't get her on set to do something like that because she was filming a movie so it does feel very separate but i I, there's something that this movie does that really rubs me the wrong way and enforces that that separateness which is that they actively start to retcon things from that first movie and they try to implement more it's like oh well you didn't see when Pennywise approached Richie, and it was, uh, you know, this and that, and it's a giant, what was it, Huckleberry Finn, Tom's, who, who, who was that? Johnny Appleseed chased after him? Um, I'm, I'm forgetting. Bunny. That's exactly right. So that, and uh, we, we saw the, the second encounter of, uh, you know, It with Eddie, where his mom is trapped in the basement, and it just felt, it, ma- it almost made the first movie feel redundant, because they did what they essentially needed to do with this movie, which was, okay, introduce the adult characters and cut back to the kids. And we saw enough of that first movie as well in this one and just alternate takes or deleted scenes, whatever it might have been. Even before we get a de-aged Finn Wolfhard as Richie and a de-aged Eddie doing these new scenarios. That just, I don't know, that bothered me a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't really understand why those parts weren't in the first one now that I'm thinking about it. Was it long, the first one? 
It was about two hours and I, I want to say it was under two and a half hours. And this one is about two hours and 50 minutes. They really tried to push the three hours. What was taking so long in the last one if they didn't even get around to the introductions? Right. You could have easily fit those moments with Richie and Eddie into that. Now seeing this giant bloated uh, cut of It Chapter 2 that I, I, I don't know. It, and, and the whole... We we have to talk about briefly, because you would mention this in Instagram DMs, the whole suddenly Richie's gay sub- subplot, right? Yeah, that made now, up for everything. That, that I think that was, I mean, this is what I've heard. That might have been a bit of fan service to creeps on Twitter who mm-hmm. were standing Richie and Eddie. Like the same type of crowd that does like, ooh, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier are secretly gay for each other because I wrote this fan fiction. They always want someone I don't, to I don't, be gay. It's really weird. Yeah. I, I don't mind that. I would not have uh, cared at all if that was established in the first movie. If that's if you could just clip that scene out of chapter two and put it in the first one and set that up, great. Cool. It feels rushed and it feels like weird pandering, especially with the opening of this movie, uh, which is in the book, the, the, the murder of Adrian Mellon. And, you know, Pennywise devouring the body. That's all fine and dandy. It does feel kind of redundant in this movie. I feel like there are three deaths that Pennywise is behind that are completely separate of the plot of the film. And that's Adrian Mellon. That's the girl with the birthmark on her face. And then that's the kid in the funhouse. To me, it felt like, okay, we're going to be pushing three hours. You could have easily cut one or two of those or merged the scenes together somehow. I don't think that they would cut it, though. Didn't they want to scare people? That's like the point of why most people go to right, see them. Right, so, so that's the problem, is you don't have really that many deaths otherwise. You have Eddie at the end, which everybody knows that's coming, right? Uh, you could have killed off Mike in the original uh, miniseries and in the book. He winds up getting like brain damage or something from a stab wound. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the brain fog takes over. I think, so, I mean, I get that they didn't want to have, like, a redundant black character, especially since that was a big gripe with the first movie. The Mike Handling character didn't really feel well-served to the plot. I don't know. It just felt like there was a lot of fat that needed to be trimmed with this movie. Yeah, but it seems like they made this one more for people that haven't read the book. Than the original did. Sure, sure. And like, it, they just I, I will to actually put a whole say, bunch of blood in it and like scare people who don't really care about plot. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the gore and the special effects real quick. What do you think about all of the uh, the display of the macabre in this film? The what? I don't know. I'm just trying not to repeat words here. So I'm. I'm I, what do you think of the special effects in this movie? I'm dumb. You have to repeat words. Um, I thought it was cool. I mean, I think I think it looked fine. What, do special effects ever look terrible now? I yes, like... frequently. Oh, I just don't notice. I mean, I think it looked fine. I don't think that it was as interesting as like the last one. The last one was more interesting to watch. I feel like, and the little like I don't know what these secondary zombie things were. That was weird. That's an. Yeah, that's a new element, right? Why? We didn't really have 
the zombie characters like Pet Cemetery. Yeah. In that original movie. Uh, I, one of my main complaints with that first It film was that Andy Muschietti did not rein himself in. He's a big special effects guy. He likes things that are supposed to be creepy for the sake of being creepy. And I almost thought the movie was going to be terrible for It, the first one, where we see Pennywise uh, latch down onto Georgie's arm and bite, and it looks like a cartoon. <laughs> It looked atrocious. And then seeing like the woman in the painting, there were shots of her that looked terrible. And it was like, all right, it was kept to a minimum. I can, I can, I can forgive that. In this movie, it, it it's like he didn't learn his lesson at all. He, he was like, oh, well, why don't we just display more of these cool special effects? There's sequence, sequences in this movie that feel like they were ripped out of the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. <laughs> And I hate that I mean, so much. I don't think that they did anything interesting with it. Like, there was nothing that I was like, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. The one scene that was a bit over the top that I didn't mind was the homage to John Carpenter's The Thing, where they find, uh, you know, the child Stanley's head, and then the legs grow out of it, the spider legs or whatever, and it's crawling around. I thought that looked pretty good. Everything else was shit. It just got too self-indulgent. I don't think that they made this movie for people who care about movies. I can't necessarily say that about the first one. The first one feels like a more coherent film to me. This one felt like, oh, we're doing an installment in a franchise. Yeah, It I mean, felt it, it more would, I conditioned been com- to that. I would have been fine without it completely. Like, I didn't even expect it really besides when they alluded to it, like I didn't, I wouldn't, when I was watching the first one, I wasn't like, oh, they need to finish this. I could have done without the second one completely. Yeah. They didn't know if they were going to have the budget or if it was going to make its money back because, you know, it's kind of silly in retrospect now because you see it, everything, everywhere, that clown is on all kinds of merchandising. But when that initially came out, that was not, going to be uh, uh you know a sure bank success uh so i i don't know it, did you like the guy that they got for the clown at all no i like bill skarsgård quite a bit i think he did a great job with pennywise i don't have any complaints as far as the acting goes aside from that guy who played ben i think his name might be jay ryan you don't have Which any is, complaints about the acting besides that? Mike? Uh, no, I thought Mike was good. The old, the old Spice guy did a good job as that character. You didn't like him? No, I didn't like him. What was his problem? I don't know. He just seemed very vanilla for someone that is kind of losing their mind. I don't disagree with that. He just but seemed like a nice person still, and it didn't. He didn't come across as like very crazy to me. I understand what you're saying. I think I think the way that he acts fits the character from the book and from that original miniseries, and doesn't necessarily fit the character that is supposed to be in this movie, who makes selfish decisions and jeopardizes people's lives pretty freely. So I I, yeah. I, I guess I could see that complaint, but I don't think he does a bad job with the material he's given. I think that's more. A problem with the screenwriter and the director. I don't know. I think he could have played it a little more frantic and then I would have been fine with it. Did you think he was the only problem or did you think others didn't? <sighs> I don't know. 
if I like Jessica Chastain. What's the matter with her? I don't know. I can't really place it. I guess she fits the character. Maybe I just don't like the character. I don't think she does as good of a job as the the child actress. Yeah. She was dry. Maybe. Yeah. She did I don't I don't think she brought anything interesting to the role. She just kind of had showed red hair. Up. Yeah. Because who else are you going to cast? Ron Howard's daughter? Yeah, she's better. Wait, who is that? Is that the you, one from Black Mirror? She was in the technology one where it's like uh, she, she she loses her mind because she's, she's not living up to like her friend's standard. No, she's very good. Actually, I probably like her more. Yeah, than why Jessica did you Chastain, say it like that? She's better. It was always obvious that she, Jessica Chastain was going to get cast. She had a pre-existing relationship with the director, and everybody said, "Oh, who do you cast as that role?" Jessica Chastain. That's Same with Bill Hader. Everybody wanted Bill Hader. What did you make of his? I, I, I've seen everybody say, "Oh, Bill Hader is the best part of this movie." I Some guess, people say he was terrible. I mean, it wasn't that great of a movie. Anyways, so I guess he was the best part, but that's not really saying that much. I just love Bill Hader, so anything he does, I'm going to enjoy watching him in it, but I don't think that he was, like, funny at all. That's what I thought. You don't think he had a couple of good lines? I mean, I guess maybe, but I just think horror movies are almost never funny. They can't ever get both. So this Hmm. is not, I mean, there was no part where I was like, that's genuinely funny. Like, I would give, I mean, maybe a couple made me, like, kind of laugh, but only because I was, like, starved for laughter. I think you have to set your expectations, though, that this is, like, a Warner Brothers $100 million budget movie. So they can only take the humor so far. But I thought I thought he had a couple of decent lines. Yeah, but why can't they just but, hire comedians? I don't understand. Like, there's funny people that could write within the limits of that. Maybe they did. Maybe, maybe the comedians that they hire or they have... Uh, the phone numbers saved of are just aren't good. Yeah, I guess so. They don't really care about that, though, I don't think. Because people laughed in the theater when I was there. It was like a packed theater, and people were laughing a lot. So I think that Bill Hader was probably the best out of the seven. I But I think there... It seemed like once he was brought brought on screen is like a full-time character i'm not talking about just like when he gets the phone call and then we cut away to the everybody else once he's on screen more consistently the tone of the movie changes for the worse because to me it seemed like they were trying to fit in jokes they're trying to fit jokes into serious moments that were supposed to be like whoa we have a scare here this should be uh not taken lightly like oh eddie just got stabbed in the face and now he's got a funny quip, even though you thought he could have just died a moment ago. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, if they're going to do dark humor, then they should hire somebody that's funny that does dark humor. And it seems like they just didn't know how to do that, but they wanted to. But there was never right, any, but, like, uh, actually funny. But my my complaint isn't even that it, it wasn't funny. My complaint was it shouldn't have been funny. We just had one of our lead characters get stabbed. And then this whole moment is played up for laughs. So it was redundant. Like, uh, Bowers gets a knife to the chest. He doesn't die. He just pulls it out and continues on like he's fine. So what was the point of the scene? He could have just went over to Mike Hanlon's uh, library, attempted to kill him, and then Richie would have showed up and killed him. And then, like, the pacing is a little bit better. There's a lot of scenes like that that just disappear. Yeah, that was stupid. His entire character was pointless. And what did you think of the... 
I, I had briefly talked about this before, but that sequence in the basement where Eddie is going to the cellar of the pharmacy and he finds his mother tied up, and then we flash into the current day where Eddie is uh, strangling the the leper, and then he just starts puking on him, and they they play that. There's a weird sat like a musical cue for only three or four seconds. And it's that song that Deadpool opens with. And I think yeah, it, that, was that weird. moment was terrible. Why did they do that? I don't know. I have no idea. That felt like that felt like something I would edit with a video. <laughs> that should not have been in this movie. That was that was atrocious. Yeah, I didn't even think and, about and it, that until just now. That's really weird. Why would they make that choice? Because they didn't make any other choices like that. No, they didn't. That it was just out of nowhere. It was like uh, it was like somebody was just doing that for a gag to show the director while they were doing editing, and then it accidentally yeah. got left in, and they carried on to final cut. But if they would have done more of that, I wouldn't have hated it. That's probably my biggest problem with it: is the humor is a little too much, and it doesn't always land, and it sucks the the uh, the dramatic stakes out of these scenes. What did you think of the fact that they changed essentially the last like 40% of the book? Do you think that they really tried to follow the book in either one of these? Like, do you think that it was like I a think, priority to them? I think they wanted to follow at least the template that the book sets. Obviously, we knew from the jump once they changed the time period from uh, 1950s and mm-hmm. 1980s to 1980s and the... 2010s it wasn't going to stick to the script entirely but I was kind of I mean I guess I shouldn't have been surprised about how liberal they took the material uh, considering essentially none of the encounters from the book are translated to that first movie aside from I think Beverly Mm -hmm. no actually there's so much of that even that it doesn't match. It's really just like Georgie, and then we the characters yeah, run that's into what I'm Pennywise. Saying. They didn't even try. Essentially, the entire ending is changed. Yeah. And the big complaint that everybody had from that 1990 miniseries was, "Oh, the spider! The spider's terrible." In the book, I think, I think Stephen King sticks the landing in the book, even though there's a running gag in this movie. Oh, the ending always sucks. Your, your endings are terrible. We get it. I, I don't think anybody expected the spider. They, they didn't want to commit. They should have. I think they might as well have. I don't think the spider would have looked any less terrible. Exactly. Than... What was the... I mean, it's not like they... There's no... Like, credibility to this movie that people are going to be... Do they think that this movie is just like some golden standard of anything? They should have just thrown it in there and I, been like, fuck it. I actually think that they... I think Warner Brothers thinks that. Because this this was a big hit for them. The first one was, I think, the biggest opening weekend or whatever, or, or gross box office for a horror movie ever. So there was a, a standard to live up to in their heads. And what they wind up doing is, and I, to talk about those Brendan Fraser mummy movies, I don't know if you remember the Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns, where The Rock just shows up and he's like half scorpion and half rock torso that's exactly what they do with pennywise here and i think it looks okay but it just it's like do one or the other it feels it feels cheap that they try to pull off both 
It reminded me, I don't know if you saw this awful movie, Ghost in the Shell. It was Scarlett Johansson's big controversy, like the first time. Yeah, I passed on that one for for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) Too busy anticipating the goldfinch. Yeah, I just saw, yeah. I saw the trailer and I just, I don't know what happened. I just didn't make it to the theater for that one. I went to go see that in theaters just because there was one sequence in the trailer that looked kind of cool with a the cyborg geisha thing but anyway the movie's awful the That's biggest sin of the for? film i yes there's a cool robot geisha <laughs> the biggest problem with that movie was not oh scar joe's playing an asian character because it doesn't matter it's like she can change skin she's a robot the biggest problem with that movie was she's asian on the inside so she goes, she's she's a bot. She's got the memories of a human. She's white Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she has these memories and she goes home. And she's like, Mom? And her mom's an old Japanese <laughs> What? I didn't know that. Now yeah. I kind of want to see it. That's kind of weird. It's crazy. Why would so they? She's, Is this a book? It was uh, It was based on a an anime. People ha- hold that to a high regard. I watched that. I thought it was shit. So you have these dramatic moments where it's Scarlett Johansson, like being emotional with her Japanese mom <laughs> and trying to pull off this. And it's, it's very laughable. It's awful. He really knows how to so pick them. She, yeah, th- this was, this was terrible. Also that cyborg geisha was literally only in the movie for two minutes. It was Ugh, what a disappointment. Big, mistake, big waste of money. So that's what this this clown spider felt like. It felt like, ah, you know, we don't want to really do the spider entirely. But we also, I guess we kind of want to commit to the clown. But we want to have a little bit of the spider. It's like they had two editors that were doing things separately. Like, if they did the spider and the throwing up thing with the music, that fits together. But then they have other stuff where they take themselves seriously. That would make a lot of sense. Obviously, Warner Brothers has a record for doing that with their high-profile movies. I don't know if they would have done it with this one, though, unless they watched it and were like, wow, that's a train wreck. We have to we have to do something about this. No, but it's like they had two people that didn't communicate at all that were in like different countries mm-hmm. and never spoke. I mean, anything's possible. I don't know if that was the case. I can't assume that it, it, it was. I think they trust Andy Muschietti because they just gave him... The Flash movie, which is like cursed, every director that has signed on to go and direct that movie winds up dropping off within like half a year. Um, So I don't don't know. I don't know. That could be the case. It would make a lot of sense, but I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, What do you what would you cite as the more positive aspects of this film? Obviously, we're complaining quite a bit about the issues that have stemmed from it but what what is something about this movie that you actually enjoyed or you thought that they pulled off well i mean bill Hader was fine i guess i think that he's good at like emotional stuff because he's like emotionally disturbed in real life so i like whenever he's emotional i think it's good so i guess the end was like that part where he was emotional and the lake was all right um they didn't really give his character a resolve. Everybody goes off and lives a happy ending, and then he goes to that bridge, weepy, and carves a deeper E into it for Richie plus God, Eddie. That was so it's just like, stupid. Yeah, they they shouldn't have made that so... Like, I feel like it cheapens their friendship also. 
Like they, I, I think the the characters when they were young, those two actors had good chemistry. I feel like uh, Bill Hader and James Ransone, who plays adult Eddie, had fairly decent chemistry. Uh, it was believable that that would be the trajectory of the friendship. And it's like, oh yeah, all that joking and palling around. Actually, it was just because Bill Hader's got a big boner in his pants for you. But they didn't do anything gay at all in the whole movie. I get that they were trying to do it like a... But when I was thinking about it, so basically you guys never spoke about anything. You never... They never had any kind of like moment that was even semi-romantic at all. And now it's just over because he's dead. Like that's... It cheapens the friendship and the relationship. But there is no relationship. There, I mean, they hardly even establish that Richie might be uh, gay or bi or, or, or queer. Uh, because the whole arcade sequence, it's like, oh, he just wants to do another round with Henry Bauer's cousin. And then Henry Bauer's just like, whoa, whoa, no, but whoa. But they didn't even do that right here? because it just seemed like he yeah. was just getting bullied. And, I mean, yes. we've all been called... I, you know what I mean? Like, they... he. He called him a faggot, so it's like that now he's oh we established that he's gay. Like if every time some character was called a faggot, they were gay. Like it would be so many more gay characters. But I didn't even understand in that if they were going to go with that or not, or if he was just that's like, also being mean. Yeah, I feel like that wasn't a really. I feel like that wasn't a realistic uh, reaction to that either it's like okay this kid is harassed by henry bowers frequently but then all of a sudden this really cuts through like he hasn't been called a faggot before so he's gonna go sit and mope on a park bench by himself for three hours in the 80s but there's like i've been thinking that there's some issue with like people who write kids not having any interaction in real life with kids for like a long time i feel like no one ever writes interactions between kids correctly like i guess this one was a little better because their friendships but that just that interaction just seemed so like cliche i don't i don't know if i don't think the first movie had that problem though no i didn't the first the first movie felt much more accurate to that one thing i wanted to point out was when they cut back and forth between the child actors and the adult actors obviously we talked about the de-aging did you do you remember the scene in the clubhouse that is underground? We have the child actors back once again, and this is probably the most startling example of the de aging. And it's not even it's not even the faces. I think they they do okay enough. Clearly, like you didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't notice that. Who who I had uh, spoken to about the film. Uh, the problem with that one scene was, and I don't know if you noticed this, tell me if you did, is that it's very obvious that these de-aged actors, I feel like they maybe didn't even get them on set for the day and they had some other kids dress up like them and then just digitally put their faces on top of them. They did really terrible ADR, which is dubbing. I know and, what ADR is. Well, I, I don't know that you know what ADR is, so I have to make sure. For the people out there who don't know what ADR is, it's dubbing. You're dubbing a voiceover. Yeah, stupid. You don't know what ADR is. And, and the uh, the performances are really terrible. It sounds like they're reading lines off a piece of paper and rushing through them. So it's like, oh, I got homework to do. 
and they say it like literally at that speed. Like there, there's no uh, any kind of uh, character put into that dialogue at all. Clearly, the actors that they had uh, to replace these kids that day, assuming that's the case, must have been terrible and just couldn't fucking move their face correctly as they were performing the lines. It was just really bad, and it stuck out to me. Did they need uh, that did, scene that badly? To set up Stan's uh, hairnet? Oh, right. Yeah. And that that doesn't that doesn't matter anyway. When they get down into the uh, the caverns there, and it's like, oh, we got to put all of our things into this box, otherwise we can't beat it. Okay, well they do that, and then and it fails, and then happens, they beat yeah. them anyway. So what's the point? They could have changed it to anything. This ending felt extremely anticlimactic to me, even com- even in comparison to that original 1990 film, where at least we saw them like be like all right we're gonna punch and kick this giant lobster-like spider uh that is clearly like ray Harryhausen effects from the early 80s that we're recycling here um with this one it's just like oh we're gonna scream you're just a clown and the f word and that was a little bit embarrassing just, no it sucked it, it, it was really and what, what did you think of pennywise melting into a marshmallow at the end there <laughs> i don't mind that because it reminded me of um harry potter so then i don't mind it but um it was you know creepy. what that is like th- th- that's that's the vibe of this movie it feels like one of the later harry potter films or something no actually not even later like a middle harry potter film I like the Harry Potter movies, so I think Harry Potter is better. Okay, but, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. When I go see uh, Poltergeist, I don't want to see Harry Potter Poltergeist. I would just want to see. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like you're taking it like it was going to be some serious thing, and you know they're not going to do it right. You know they're going to go for like fucking twenty two year old guys who are taking some Tinder girl on a date. That's what they're. But why? Because they pay money. <laughs> That's but most you've got, of the people. So, okay. I get that. But you have an established film series that ends with this one. See how it ends. So you've got the second one secured. The only reason to dumb it down and make it like, ooh, spooky spectacle, is to set up a third one and continue a series, right? Because then you yeah. want to make it as mainstream as possible. And this one felt extremely mainstream. Did they leave room for a sequel? So here's what I have heard firsthand. I am friends with somebody who had seen this film maybe about a month and a half ago when they screened it to critics and the press and did this and that. And after the credits, there was a scene with James McAvoy aged to about 70 years old. He picks up the paper and he sees something that implies that Pennywise is back. That scene is not in the finished movie here. So. Yeah, now I see what you're How do you feel about that? No, because now I'm kind of suspicious because you said why. And now I'm kind of wondering why, too. Because they're probably going to do a Netflix show. They're going to do a prequel. I don't think they'll bring back the actors from this movie and put like... Who, who's the actor? The oh, Chris Evans, uh, digital effects over over their faces and have them be old people fighting it. But I'll tell you what, that finale 
felt too similar to the first one where it's just like, oh, we did a thing. And all they just suddenly realize, oh, you know, if it's a clown, then it has to obey by the rules that a clown would live by or something yeah. like that. Where it's like, oh, well, if you can kill a clown this way, then that's how you can kill it. And that just that doesn't make sense. Maybe they smoke too much weed before. You know how yeah. when you're like really it stoned, you that. try to like connect things that don't need to be connected? <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's just there's so much setup to like a a greater the deadlights and the the whole Native American thing. I actually thought the whole backstory there and the, the Native Americans. Why did they look like that? Did you see that they were like made of tin? They look like the bad guy from the end of Superman three, where the computer takes over the <laughs> lady's butt. It was horrifying. They look so weird. Maybe that was from the weird editor. They had like a normal editor yeah. and like a weird stoned editor. That that set up okay. Well, there's a big cosmic thing here, but they just beat him the same exact way as the first the time. Normal, except yeah. this time he has a heart. I don't like it when adults so, hold hands in movies. They were like in a circle holding hands, and that's embarrassing. What about in like a Tom Hanks rom com from 1992 with Meg Ryan? Just two adults. That's just fun. two adults holding hands. That's, Fine. What if it's Billy Crystal holding hands with that's Meg Ryan? That's great. That's believable. That's great? Yeah, I love that. That's wonderful. What's Billy yeah. Crystal doing? Is he okay? How did he's he terrible. get so lucky to get rom-coms? In what world? Well, I guess he was like pre-Seth Rogen. You know? Seth Rogen is hot, so that doesn't make sense. Billy Crystal is According to, to who? What? Was there a, a photoshopped picture of him I'm looking like svelte again. for the Hollywood Reporter? Tired of arguing I've always liked Seth Rogen since Freaks and Geeks, so I disagree. If they do in it chapter three, what would you like to see done with it? I like your um, old people fighting the clown idea. I would definitely watch that. Just like five (sighs) seventy-year-olds. Just to rope it back around to the conversation about it chapter two, where it feels much more commercial, much more acceptable to that average moviegoer. And we're talking about are they planning on doing a follow-up. Clearly, that has to be on their minds, given the amount of money that that movie has made within a week. And the fact that they had that post credit sequence ready to go, just in case. But my thought is, I think they're more likely to do something that takes place in the past uh, than delve into anything in the future. Like, we still have the, we They could go back to the 1950s. And do something with that. Mm, well, what was Mike talking about that happened before? They could probably just do that. Because there was no other point to him even bringing that shit up. Well, I mean, it, it, it plays into the ritual of Chud, which they kind of very loosely perform and proves ineffective. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, there was no point to bring... I mean, in the book, yes, but in the movie... There was no point to bring that up unless they plan on doing something with it later. I don't think that's a good idea, though. I don't think people will see that. I guess so. But it, it that could have just as easily been poor editing. And they cut sequences or what have you that would have tied into that or, or at least made the ending seem more fulfilling or, or well-rounded. But I don't know. 
again, they could do the 50s. They could do. I don't think anyone would show up, though, if it was like a bunch of Native Americans I don't think fighting so some kind of incarnation of it. It's kind of fucked up because it sounds cool. It could really be cool, but I don't think that's the kind of movie they would want to make to follow up. But how could the they do 50? Because doesn't it only come every. Oh, yeah, because they changed the time. Exactly. And they moved up the timeline. Yeah. So you could have a different set of kids in the 1950s and do that. I know that they did that with Annabelle, which is another Warner Brothers New Line franchise that the screenwriter of this movie wrote. They did one that took place in the 60s. And that movie was also really terrible. I decided to go with a, a friend of mine, broke up with his fiance, and he was like, man, I got I to gotta just take my mind off of things. You want to go see Annabelle with me? <laughs> I was like, ah. I I guess. And boy, howdy, was that a waste <laughs> of time. Were you scared? I was not scared once. Actually, the Georgie sequence from It Chapter One played at the start of that movie. So I was like, all right, so it wasn't a total waste of time. That looked cool to me. Everything else that followed, really bad. They had that guy from, what was it, NCIS Los Angeles or something? Some like older out of shape 55 year old guy who's been on every cbs crime show he was one of the leads awful movie and i think it was annabelle creation um jim norton said he saw that movie and he was scared which is the funniest thing i've ever heard oh oh so this this is this actually this is a perfect opportunity to get into something real quick that's not really directly related to it but i had this thought was it about your parents yesterday yes it was my, my parents were gunned down in an alley <laughs> so jokes on you uh, it was about how, and when we were talking about Dr. Sleep, which is the Shining sequel, and clearly you have a similar opinion to me that does not match the rest of uh, society out there at large who has seen this trailer and been like, oh, that looks so cool. It looks like a Fox show. It looks like a Fox TV series starring Ewan McGregor. I think that horror movie directors should not be given big property horror movies to do because I don't think that horror movie directors are actually good directors. Hmm. That's interesting. So like who, who should do it then? I think they should just find any random good director who would not normally tinker with horror because when you do get a horror movie director, they get indulgent. That goes with Andy Muschietti here who clearly He's in love with these giant, towering, skinny figures that walk funny in the background. And it's I can't, I, I can't tolerate that any longer. Or, you, or let's say you tune into Eli Roth, who I like. I like his earlier films more than his later films. But he gets indulgent with the blood and the gore and the over-the-top over effects. Um, if you take any one of these directors who have really turned uh, their, their niche for filmmaking into a career and their name is recognizable with that. Or even James Wan, James Wan who did the conjuring films and I guess did Aquaman, which people say is a good movie. I don't believe that. Sorry. But I take, I think if you take any one of those directors past or present and make them direct a movie that is not a horror movie, that movie's probably going to be shit. You take a regular old director you could take, uh, I don't know, just um, Christopher Nolan, okay? You take, I mean, that's not really fair. We're comparing uh-huh. Christopher Nolan with Eli Roth. Let's say, uh, who's like a good standard 
not B-list in like the cultural sense, but like just like a, a real B-list director who's not bad, hasn't really done too many bad movies, but isn't a, a Christopher Nolan or a Stanley Kubrick or Spielberg or anybody like that. You're asking, don't ask me, bot. You oh. should know that, Alexa. Uh, okay, well, let me just go back to my show archive and I'll look at a movie that I've talked about before and pull the director of that. So how about how okay here's here's an here's an example right here Brian De Palma Brian De Palma did not start off doing any kind of horror movie right he started off doing weirdo black and white films with Robert De Niro mm-hmm. then he does Phantom of the Paradise he does Blowout all these movies that kind of dabble with horror a little bit and are successful but for the most part he does like crime thrillers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Safety Brothers could have done a great horror movie, I'm sure. Wes Anderson? I would be interested to see a Wes Anderson horror movie, even though I'm I'm very hit or miss with him as a director. Like a big Darren horror Aronofsky. movie that's already established as something, you mean? Sure. Sure. Or I, whatever. I mean it I mean it could be like a nightmare on Elm Street. Doesn't matter. But if you take a director who's only known for horror and try to make them go off and shoot a real movie, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that competently. Hmm. Yeah, they do better when they are doing their own story. I mean, right. Um, I think maybe the one exception to that would be like Ari Aster, but you can make an argument that the strange thing about the Johnsons wasn't even a horror movie. I don't think you can really even include him in like horror completely alone. I think it's too soon to say with him because he's only had two feature-length films. I think if somebody was like, oh, yeah, horror director Ari Aster, that would be, like, not a, an accurate description. I think more people would put him in the that category than not, or they like to use the term elevated horror, yeah, which gets shoved in dumb. with Jordan Peele. Off the top of my head, the only director who started off in horror and then was able to dabble in other genres, although similar genres like science fiction and thriller and action. So not really like a serious drama or anything was John Carpenter because he did Halloween and then he did uh, Escape from New York, Assault on Precinct 13. Actually, he might have started with Assault on Precinct 13. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. So he might not even be a case. But I think a, a standard director gets attracted to film because they have something they want to say or they want to mess around with something or offer some kind of style to to whatever it is they're going to be messing around with a horror director gets attracted to film because they want to make horror movies they want to have people die in film and do something that feels like frankenstein or i you they're know, like i think it's just different priorities. or something they're so annoying i find them so annoying it, yeah it just feels like in the same way that i don't like poetry usually. how do those two things relate because they're indulgent they're just like oh look at this fucking I don't know. They just feel like, I don't know. When you watch a Guillermo del Toro, you don't think that that's like indulgent poetry. I feel like it's just so cheesy. I agree. And most people wouldn't agree with that. I think Guillermo del Toro is completely overrated as a director. But you know what? It's really stupid that I would say that actually that I don't like an indulgent person like that because my favorite director is Quentin Tarantino, so it doesn't really make any sense. But he's like the one guy you can say without a doubt that, yeah, he's indulgent. He knows he's indulgent, but he can still pull it off and not 
seem gross about it. I don't know why, though. I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I don't think it's that. I think he's got a good way. I, I think he's just got a good rhythm where even if a scene drags out and it it's like eight minutes longer than it ever needed to be, any other director would have cut it off at a minute and a half. This is going on for 11 minutes now. Mm-hmm. Even then, he can still figure out a way to make that worth your time and add or have that add into the the general story at large. So by the end of the movie, you feel like the payoff was definitely worth the wait. A lot of directors can't can't do that. I don't like you most most of the, I don't I don't really get scared of movies, so that also plays into it. Like I've never like I liked all versions of it pretty much except this last one, but um I have never been scared of any like jump scare or anything in a movie. Yeah. I, I, again, I think that's just to appeal to that demographic you were talking about before, which is uh Tinder dates. Yeah. I guess that's a good move. Now that this has been finished, this story anyway, I can say that this does not feel like the definitive film or screen version of it. What do you think? Um, like in my mind, which one would I think of first? But also, do you think either one nailed it to be like, okay, that is definitely the one version of the story that will never be rivaled? I mean, no, I don't want to say that because the TV one was so shitty, but I still think of it like fondly because of, I mean, I I don't mind it being that shitty. I feel like Stephen King has a way of writing that's a little bit shitty and cheesy. But, like, mm-hmm. the acting and the shittiness of the TV one kind of fit in some weird way. I think that that feels much more like the book than these two movies did. Yeah. In that in that way of, like, just, a, it's a little bit cheesy, but, like, you don't mind it. Right. But, I mean, like you had said, he's a sappy writer. Are you excited for The Stand, where it's just non... Like, it's, The Stand is, what, 1,400 pages and about... 400 to 600 pages are just full of sentimental garbage. Are they making that? Are you being, I can't tell when you're lying. I, I, I genuinely thought that I had heard that, but they could be doing it as a movie. Oh, no, 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 it, I'm right. Uh, it is going to be a CBS all access show starring Amber Heard, Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, I think I saw he's going to play Randall Flagg. On CBS All Access? Isn't that online? Yeah. That's the app. What's going on with him? Does he have a gambling leads. problem? Why is he doing that? Has he has he done anything? Yeah, he was important? in um Big Little Lies. <gasps> Whoopi Goldberg I is just was about to say that. To stand. This is weird. Wow. Are they just having like a huge budget or something? Actually, I'll tell you what, Whoopi Goldberg is not the worst choice for that. Ten episodes. Here's the thing. They did... Did you ever see Under the Dome? I've seen a commercial for Under the Dome, which makes me feel like I've seen all that I need to see of Under the Dome. It is one of the worst things to ever be adapted from a Stephen King book. And that was on CBS. I didn't know that was from a Stephen King book. The book is actually okay. It feels like an old school Stephen King book. What is it called? But that It's called Under the Dome. Ugh. A terrible title. 
I thought that was just like the <laughs> title that they picked. It's about, uh, I, I won't spoil it, but <laughs> a, a, just a glass dome appears over a small town in Maine one day. Who would ever care if that happened? That wouldn't make any difference to anyone outside of Maine. Oh, yeah, but it does because they're going to run out of oxygen. Let them. After a period of time. There's like four people in Maine. <laughs> They've got James Marsden of the X-Men movies. He played Cyclops. I think he's going to be the lead. Which Stephen King um, book would you be most mad if they tried to remake? They're actually they're doing an adaptation of Salem's Lot with James Wan that's supposed to come out in a year or two. And I think they're going to fuck that up. I I really like the 1978 uh, TV miniseries where they changed a good portion of it. <clears throat> I think they did it well for film, though. And then they tried to redo that in 2004 or five with Rob Lowe and Andre Brower, and it was not a it was not good at all. That's it was really weird. terrible. Sounds like it would be good. It was on TNT. We know drama. TNT. <laughs> And it aired over two nights. Are they going to try and remake Misery? Actually, I think there's a play on Broadway right now with Bruce Willis in the James Conn role and Laurie Metcalf as the Kathy Bates role. Which is, I I think that's pretty good casting. I love Laurie Metcalf. So if they do a film version of that with those two actors, I would be on board for that. But if that does happen, I would not bank on that happening. It would probably be like... I don't know. Jessica Chastain. Rebel Wilson and Idris Elba. Stop. Everybody stop attacking Rebel Wilson. This is the second podcast I've been on this week. <laughs> where she was attacked. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't Jack or Frank. I love that new podcast, by the way, you guys just put out. Because Frank is so dismissive of whatever you have to say. He's just like, nope. Nope. Social justice war. Progressive women's. And he's getting flustered by it. He can hardly contain himself. He he's just wants to shut it down. And then, like, I, I, he was arguing points that I wasn't making. And then the second half of it is good because it, it was just like really sad about how Frank has low self esteem. Well, I hope they do the third one, and I hope they do it with old people because I would definitely watch that. Just really old, like eighties and nineties only. Do you want? actual old people to play those roles or do you want i think if they were going to do that they might as well they did that with the child actors to the adult act imagine if they did that imagine if they aged the child actors to play the adult roles (laughs) i want old people actual old people and i want guns but who could you get there's no notable it doesn't need to be what's the difference between one old person and another they're exactly the same you can barely hear them just give them a gun i don't care we don't care anymore they don't care about keeping with the storyline, obviously. So just fuck it. Throw the spider in. So they're going to take out Pennywise with a gun? Yeah. <laughs> Would you not watch an 80-year-old woman, an 80-year-old Bev, take out Pennywise? Throw the spider into that one. Put the put the shower Pennywise that looked like Play-Doh. Just you know what it. I kind of wish they had done? I wish they had done that scene from the miniseries where when Henry Bowers is breaking out of the... The, uh, the mental institution and the guard looks over his shoulder and he's like, what are you doing here? And then it's just a giant pit bull in a clown out. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was so bad. See, <sighs> they would have just added all those horrible things in. I would have been so, I, I would have laughed way more. They were trying to do that, like okay, cool that's, jokes. That's, 
that right. That's the thing. This one thinks it's too hip for the room. That one is so bad, but it gives it character. It gives it a good uh, flair, I think. It gives it very memorable uh, moments compared to this yeah, one. Yeah, this one is like, oh, look, a gay love scene. What the fuck is that? Why is it serious? Your podcast. Go ahead and plug it. It's a Stephen Hawking Fight Club. That title is uh, recognizable. I think oh, you just probably have to put that into Google. And it'll be the first thing that comes up. I've never done that, actually. I'm going to try that. Have you ever put your name into Google? I will never do that. I can't. I can't. I don't want to know. I hope somebody has, like, written about something you said on I remember that happened one time uh, with your show when you were just starting out. Somebody did a response podcast what? to your podcast because you were like, racism is dead. <laughs> and they were so pissed off. <laughs> You said something like that, and they were so mortified by what they heard that they had to do a response podcast. Yeah, well, I didn't know about it till just now, so jokes on them. It's out there. That's probably what you would find if you Googled it. Well, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to know. What's also great, too, is is uh, I did the art for your your show. Yeah, wow. And I remember I just found <laughs> Why did you do that? Art. Because <laughs> I because I found it funny to give you a stock image and then tell me seven years <laughs> of later of an ashtray, yes, okay. and a deliberately bad uh, slug line, which which was uh, smoke him if he got him. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. I don't because your show was called good. Smoke Break. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we've said everything that needs to be said about it. Chapter two. I think it's about perfectly rated on Rotten Tomatoes right now at sixty two percent. I don't think it was a bad movie necessarily. I think it was a bad sequel. And I look forward to them remaking this property in 18 to 25 years. 